0: This episode of The Modern People Leader is brought to you by MetaView, the AI assistant for interviewing. MetaView captures and summarizes every nugget of gold from interviews so that your recruiters can leave note-taking behind and focus on what matters most, building authentic relationships with candidates, and helping hiring managers find that perfect fit for your organization. Unlike humans, MetaView never gets tired, doesn't forget anything, and structures the notes perfectly for you to review and make decisions based on join recruiting leaders at companies like brex Robinhood, and Cora, and try metaview for free just head over to metaview.ai mpl to get started that's metaview.ai mpl you're listening to the modern people leader podcast today's episode will be a part of our people leader series where we go behind the scenes with today's top hr leaders and talk to them about how they've gotten to where they're at and what they really do every day our guest today is Melissa Wernick, Global Chief People Officer at the Kraft Heinz Company. MPL family, stop what you're doing and take five seconds to go subscribe to the MPL Weekly Digest. Every week, we'll share the top three takeaways from the episode, along with the full transcript. Just go to the show notes for this episode and click the link to subscribe. And now, without further ado, enjoy the show. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the
1: Modern People Leader. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I, it sounds like it's been a pretty crazy weekend in Chicago. You, you mentioned just before we started that there's been, what, a tornado and a heat wave and massive humidity?
2: Yeah, all, all right? together, you know, in the same week. It was crazy. <laughs>
1: That sounds like it just an everyday week for us here in Texas. So, well, I'm glad I'm glad we were able to do this with all the craziness you've had over there. Um, we love to kick off our, we have a lot of rituals with the Modern People Leader. One of our our rituals is how we start our conversation, which is a good news story. This is where we share a personal or work-related story from the past week or two. We just like to show a little bit of gratitude and start the the conversation off in a feel good kind of way so who wants to to kick us off today
2: very good i can you know start sharing uh, last week we had our top 40 global leaders for an off-site meeting in Chicago and it was so beautiful to see the whiteboarding the collaboration, all those beautiful minds discussing the future together you know all companies they have been discussing for a long time the future of work if it will be hybrid, fully in person, fully remote. Uh, that for me was a confirmation that uh, the hybrid model is here to stay and collaboration is a key element for strategy, disruption, innovation, Seeing the excitement of those leaders talking about new products or how to better serve our consumers was really exciting. Two of them got so fired up discussing a specific project that they looked like kids in a big store, in a big toy store. Uh, I loved every (laughs) second of the week.
1: Oh, that is good news. I feel the the energy just hearing you hearing you talk about it. We've talked a lot about this, this the question of what, what does the future look like? So I'm excited about asking you a little more about what what you guys are doing in terms of the your future of work. I'll go next my my good news is work related usually I do I do personal related good news but we are we have a major product initiative underway, a new product launch in fact and it's still fairly early in the the effort and we got our first wave of creatives from the agency we're working with for all the software mock-ups and they there's just something exciting about getting your creatives when you're working in a software project and uh, i i'm a big believer in design and the look and feel and so they they look great so that that's my good news
0: this week
2: congratulations happy for you. you
0: thank you all right guys well i'm going on a personal note so uh tori my wife she gets these anniversary gifts from her company And she just was eligible. Uh, So I guess her five-year anniversary was like a week or two ago. And they sent her a link to this portal where she could get a gift up to a certain amount. And one of the gifts that was on there was a bike desk. (laughs) I don't know if you all have ever seen these. But it has, it's literally like a a stationary bike with a desk on it. And um, we're doing a fitness competition at work. And I'm ready to crush my coworkers because now this is gonna be my secret weapon. I can just sit on this desk bike all day. So, that's my good news. I I swear your
1: wife has like, didn't you? Didn't you just get a, a, a smoker? Trigger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're hooking it up for her. Yeah, they know the employee the total rewards. I like their I like their strategy. Yeah. So well, Melissa, you have an absolutely impressive resume. Yeah. Usually we list off all the great things. There there's a lot of great things that that I, you know, I it would be great to hear you to walk us through your career journey. You know, what's your story? How did you become the global chief people officer at Kraft Heinz?
2: Uh, at this point, you already know that I am uh... Kraft Heinz VP, Global Chief People Officers. Therefore, I'll uh, I'll talk a little bit about me beyond my title, okay? First, you will realize from my accent that I'm not a native English speaker. I'm originally from Brazil and I have been living in the United States for nine years. And I have to confess one thing, working in human resources was not part of my original plan. I'm a chemical engineer, who discovered myself working at the people function. I came to it as an assignment and I, I felt madly in love with the function. HR was not planned, but it became my life choice. And here I am today after going through acquisition, merges, a pandemic, and now a war, all those big learning moments for me. Our company purpose is let's make life delicious. And I'm here to make our 36,000 employees' lives delicious. So that's me.
1: Wow. I love it. I love it. And so I, I just want to, I have to dig into that because well, you stole one of my, my next questions, which is, I, I of course, we do a lot of research on LinkedIn before we have these conversations. And I did notice that uh that earlier the early segment of your career was all brazil and so my next question was going to be you know how did you get from brazil to to the us but now we know how did you pivot from a a chemical a career in chemical engineering to to human resources can you tell us a little bit about how that that you know was there an event was it an acquisition like how did that actually happen
2: I think it was a crazy chief people officer that saw something in me you know and offered me this assignment in HR and uh, I declined in the first moment and then he put me in a conference room again and uh, <laughs> we had a conversation and he said let me explain to you why I think this assignment is important for you and uh, you know his rationale made a lot of sense to me you know? And I said, look, and it was a promotion. I said, you know what? I'll try. If I don't like, I just move to my next assignment in a different function. And that happened, oh my God, now I'll tell my age, but 20 plus years ago. And uh, I'm here today. And that's the function that I love. That's the function that I wake up every morning excited to deal with the good and the bad, the ups and down, the problems and the projects. And uh, everybody asked me, oh, Uh, but uh, HR and chemical engineer, they are not related at all. I disagree and uh, they are somehow related. And the reason that I chose chemical engineering is very similar to why I love the people function. And there is one word that describes it that is transformation, you know? So in chemical engineering, from a raw material to a final product, in HR from a junior talent, you know, a rough diamond, to what you will, you know, that's my passion. That's my mission in life.
0: It's so interesting. I feel like we've heard a very similar story so many times on this show. I was trying to like, you know, run through my memory and and remember some of the guests, but, you know, people like Dina Upton from Drift, she started her career as a software engineer. Katie Burke from HubSpot, she started in marketing and, you know, made the internal move at HubSpot from marketing to, to HR I think, you know, one of our early guests, April Joyce Galda, she moved from from operations to, to HR. So I feel like, you know, all of these leaders that we've talked to that came from different backgrounds, they always have the most interesting perspectives. So uh, we're, we're excited to, to learn more about, about your career and some of the work that you're doing at Kraft Heinz. Also, I, I want to give a shout out to
1: the, the leaders that took a risk on us cuz my story Melissa's is similar that I had a a leader a managing director at the at an investment bank that I was a consultant for and we shared a cab from the London office to Heathrow and we just had a conversation in in this cab I I probably not spoken more than three or four words to, to this individual. And when we got to Heathrow, he was like, would you be interested in working at, at the firm? And it, it's that kind of moment, the, the individuals that see something that sometimes we don't even see and they, they make, they take a, they take a risk on us. And, uh, and so I, it sounds like that was pretty transformative in your career and it was for me as well. So kudos to those leaders that, that are taking a risk on the future of people leaders
2: so, 100% agree you know and this person is my mentor my friend until today you know and they deserve a round of applause
1: absolutely absolutely well one of the questions we like to ask is what what is it like to be an employee at craft times and why should we be jealous that you get to work there
2: oh my god because we are amazing <laughs> let me double click on that. (laughs) Look, we are committed to creating a truly meritocratic environment where the ownership spirit, future ambition, and agility, they are encouraged and rewarded. We are very passionate about growing people into their best selves by giving them unique opportunities to learn And grow as individuals, not only growing, I'm not talking about promotion, I'm talking about being a best version of themselves, learning and interacting with people that they admire and are very vetted to help them in their career journey. We truly live our values, and there is one value that talks a lot to my heart, I love all the six, but one of them is we champion great people, and that's one that we live by it every day we are a place that everyone can be know themselves accepted the way they are we value different voices we encourage people to speak up and we are very down to earth We don't have planes. We don't have individual rooms. We don't have individual assistants. We don't have closed doors. Employees they are appreciated for their authentic and unique contributions, regardless of hierarchy. Everyone is welcome at our table. An example of it happened last week. I was sharing with you the, the offsite in the beginning. And the senior leadership team of the company, we had a breakfast with our trainees. And one of them shared an idea with the CEO. And after that, the CEO put all of us in the room and it became a project, you know? Wow. Came from this interaction and a breakfast here, informal breakfast with our trainees. I think that's fascinating.
1: Yeah, the the ability, and you you I noticed you you said it twice: the ability to bring the best version of yourself to work. And I think the second thing you mentioned was. That everyone is accepted the way they are. That that's such a powerful thing. And I think it was Mita Malik who we had on the show. And she she started by saying, like, you know, she believes that everyone should feel like they belong in their jobs. We spend so much time with our, our colleagues, with the people we work with in m- many instances, we spend more time with our colleagues than we do with our loved ones. Now that's probably balanced a little more with hybrid working, but the ability to like truly feel comfortable being yourself, I think is just such a powerful thing. And I love that the, that that's immediately what you went to. I do have one follow-up question, Kraft Heinz. So what are the snacks like? Surely, <laughs> surely there are a lot of snacks involved also. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my God, they are amazing, but I'll tell you what is more exciting the is snacks, knowing about innovation be- before the consumers know. And my son participated on a tasting, you know, for a kid's product with the research and development group and he was so excited that he was trying that and he wanted to go to the school in the following day and tell all his friends at school that he was trying the new innovation and I told him no no you cannot it's confidential you cannot share that oh you know beyond the products and the things that uh, you know we have available for us at the office uh, I would say that doing all the innovation tastings for me is the part of the job that I like well, yeah.
1: In in all seriousness, if you need adults to volunteer for the Innovation Lab, uh, you've got one, at least one here. So.
2: I will invite you. I'm
0: in as well, so you can count me in too.
2: Unfortunately, I cannot share with uh, you all what we have been doing, but uh, it's exciting.
0: Well, I'm excited to see what y'all come up with. So, you know, in preparation for this for this podcast, I was listening to some of the other episodes that you've been on. And I can just hear the passion in your voice when you're talking about learning and development, as well as being an early adopter with, with some new tech. So really excited to, to dive in on, on those two topics today. But I want to first start with learning and development. It, it sounds like you guys are doing some really cutting edge stuff and have so many questions. But before we get into the nitty gritty, Can you give us some background on on what you've been working on the past few years and and what you've learned?
2: Very good. I think that was a big evolution from our past. You know, in the past, uh, we thought that uh, we had to be a know-it-all organization. And we were very inspired by Microsoft's journey, especially when they shared that uh, they moved from a know-it-all to a learn-it-all organization. So our inspiration came from, from their story. And for the last three years, we have been working to deliver on our ambition to democratize learning at Kraft Heinz. This word democratize is very, very, very important for us. Okay? And we have been very intentional to move beyond mandatory training or training by nomination to training that is available regardless of the language that you speak regardless of where you are located in the world, regardless of the time zone, or regardless where you are, you are at the airport waiting your plane to depart. Okay, those fifteen minutes you can learn something new. When we have things that go from five minutes, you know, to weeks of training available, and the, no, the word the, my, my my strong belief, our strong belief, it's not mine. The world's changing so fast, you know. There is no longer time to handhold to organize large boot camps and work weeks and weeks and weeks on nominations, you know, that's not inclusive. And it's the opposite of agility. So we have a mission of create a culture of continuous learning. So that's it from know it all to learn it all, both creativity and intellectual curiosity, fostering intellectual curiosity is what will move organizations faster and more consistently, you know, if you don't make, learning part of your life, you will be obsolete tomorrow. I heard from a professor you a know, few months back, and he said that research proves that if you don't learn anything new every day, you will be obsolete in five years. That's yeah. scary. <laughs> yeah, That's I think, really I think we heard something
0: similar from Steve Cadigan, who we had on the show, uh, I guess maybe like a year ago at this point. And he said the exact same thing that the skills that a person learns today are going to be obsolete in three to five years. So it's like every three to five years, you got to update your skill set.
2: That's it. Very important. And just to continue a little bit on our on our journey, we wanted uh, to provide our employees the same experience that uh, streaming companies like a Netflix or Disney or Google have put in place, you know, if you have a doubt about something, what you do, you know, you Google it, it became a verb, you know, uh, and we wanted to be this source of knowledge for our employees, and uh, we were very, very, very focused on making sure our people can learn 24 hours per seven, whatever day of the week, and uh, we had you know, thousands and thousands of employees participating in our programs and giving us very good feedback. Saying, oh, I was bored at the airport and I just, you know, log into uh, Kraft Heinz University. We call it university for a reason. You know and uh, i found something really cool before i board my flight that for me it's amazing and uh, when we're talking about the netflix experience the exact curation of contact you know the suggestions for you oh if you are in this function or if you tell us that you are interested in a b c d the algorithm works to provide you suggestions aligned to what you you are interested at so that's very interesting
1: and so was all of this in place before the pandemic hit?
2: Yes, yes, oh, you know, great. Even, so... even before the pandemic, we had set a CLIX strategy with a focus on putting the best technology in place to drive virtual learning and development. And I'm so glad we did that. We embarked in this journey in 2017, you know? So when the pandemic hit and everybody was panicking, oh my God, uh, what will I do? You know, will I stop, you Know all my development problems. We didn't have any hiccup. It was so easy to pivot. So I'm really, really glad that we had put that in place.
1: Yes, So many past. companies were panicking, frantically getting zoom, <laughs> <laughs> zoom technology, you know, the, the, the conferencing technology, the, the online learning and development technology, but you guys were already there. So it feels like there was probably an opportunity to not have to focus on the execution, but rather like the learnings. Were there any, did you guys discover anything about the programs that you had in place and how to improve upon those during this period of time, since they were already available to your, to your employees?
2: I think what we evolved was more on the experimentation part of that. You know, because when you were having an in person program, there is a a, a group work or a project work or whiteboarding that is more complicated in the virtual environment. So that was, I would say, the bigger evolution that we had to make in order for it to be engaging. And we are a global organization. Some of our programs, we used to put people together from all over the world because we want them to exchange experiences. That got a little bit more difficult in the virtual world because a time zone. You know, I, I, if I, I cannot put someone in New Zealand and someone in the United States in the same program. But what was interesting that we had a conversation with our employees and they said, no problem. keep it. We will adjust to the time zone. If it's a US time zone, I will work on a US. time zone even if I'm based on New Zealand. So that was really, really rewarding. You know? They were so interested on that. But they said we, we have a leadership masters program. That uh, is a program that we put in place back in 2019. It's an in-person program uh, in partnership with Stanford. Okay, Stanford is our partner in this program. And there are some models that uh, we need everybody together in the room or in the virtual room. And uh, we had we had a participant from Indonesia, one from Australia, one from Canada, one from <laughs> from Poland, the other one from UK, and you know, and it was beautiful. And they were awake.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, managers are a big focus at at Kraft Heinz. And this is actually, you know, a theme that we've we've noticed quite a bit frequently or recently. And it's funny, you know, my wife and I actually had a couple of our friends over last night for, for dinner. And um one of our friends was telling us about how she's thinking about leaving her her role in the company she's at. And she's a first-time manager at like a fifteen-hundred-person startup, and she was just telling us how the last five, six months have felt so isolating for her, and how her and a lot of the other managers that are in the same boat, that are first-time managers, have been dying for more coaching and more support, and how it's really hard to build the muscle of of being a manager. And um, yeah, that's a big reason why why she's leaving. And I, I know managers are a, a huge focus for Kraft Heinz, but uh, yeah, tell us tell us more about what you're doing for for your managers.
2: Very good question. We are calling 2022 the year of the manager, you know, and uh, everybody has been talking about the great resignation, and the the great resignation is happening especially in this level because the managers they have to take care of themselves, they have to take care of the their teams, they have to report to the senior levels of the organization. It's a lot of responsibility. And we strongly believe that people managers are our key to success. We ask a lot of our managers, and now we are asking them to co-create what this new hybrid work reality will mean for us, what will mean for them, what will mean for Kraft Heinz. And uh, a couple being a chemical engineer, you have noticed that I love statistics. A couple of years ago I came across uh, data that really made me gasp, you know a uh, Gallup report stated that one out of 10 people is naturally wired to be a manager. One out of 10. Oh my wow. god.
0: that That's lower than I, yeah. I would have guessed. And that, that lines up with what my friend was saying.
2: If 9 out of 10 people are not naturally wired to be a manager, and especially this time, is a critical time for managers, we need to dedicate more time to listening, feedback, training. I really believe if you are a CEO or a chief people officer or an EVP, SVP, whatever, this needs to be at the top of your agenda. In our own uh, employee focus groups, 80% of people said that they want more coaching from their leaders. And 92% of the leaders, okay, the people managers are telling us that they want to support to learn how to be a better coach. So to action on this, we have launched a new initiative that we called Project Win, okay? Project Win is a global effort to develop great managers at every level of the company. And it was inspired by Google's Project Oxygen okay and uh, why project win win is an acronym for work as a team inspire excellence and navigate our future, navigate our future. And, uh, you know, our main objective is to transform our people managers and amazing coaches from people managers to an amazing coach. When they operate with empathy, care, move with the speed and agility and grow people to their full potential, we see the positive impacts and the hollow effect in employee engagement, performance and retention. Uh, So it's incredibly important uh, for us. You know, I'm excited to see how it evolves. And uh, this hollow effect, the first, I was talking about the leadership master's program. The first cohort, we had 20 people. And I asked the team to do an analysis on how many uh, people those 20 directly influenced. 627. So if I make this 20 amazing, they will influence 600, directly influence 627 people in the organization. I said, that's it. A lot of people put all my dollars on it. Yeah,
1: it's- it becomes, it, it's a, it feels like a no-brainer when you start looking at the numbers that way. You mentioned statistics is, is something that you nav- naturally gravitate to. And is that play a big role in the way that you look at these programs and the success of these programs? How quantitative are you in, in assessing what programs you should have and, and what future programs you should be developing?
2: We are very, very obsessed with data and people analytics and correlations, you know, correlations about evolution, for example, on a 360 assessment with engagement survey, with retention. So that's the way that we assess if, uh, you know, if uh, we are really hitting the nail or, or not, you know, and moving the needle in the organization, just to give one example.
1: That's perfect.
2: There's another thing that, uh, you know, as we were talking about technology and being an early adopter and we we were talking about our journey to implement Kraft Heinz University, I have a, a strong opinion that some companies I think that they put so much money on their brick structure, you know, or their uh, corporate university that has a lot of buildings and everything, that is very hard for them to let it go and embrace the new, embrace the technology. That was my perception when I was visiting a lot of companies when we were creating our own university. And we were very fortunate that we didn't have that. You know, we were merging. We didn't have a a big corporate university building. So that freed up us to really, really double bat on on technology and being an early adopter on a few things. We're talking about manager as coach. In 2017, we were the first organization to partner and pilot with an organization called EZRA, E-Z-R-A. You know, and basically I'm oversimplifying they will hate me but just to to quickly make a point here this is a, a mobile coaching app that connects our people to world-class pre-selected cultures that we pre-selected as an organization no matter where they are so I can be based in the United States and have a coach in France for example. And uh, since we began this program, more than 600 employees have been connected with an Ezra coach. And all of that started before the pandemic. And I remember people looking at me and they said, oh, that will never work. Coaching needs to be in person. Now with the pandemic, people are doing therapy. So I was going to say,
0: it's almost like better help, but for coaching. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and
1: so, you know, going back to, to Project Win, did, where did the idea for this come from? Uh, you know, did it come from your data? Was there also leadership, you know, feedback that something like this was important? Did you look at your, your employee surveys? Like where, I'm just curious, how did y'all, how was this formulated?
2: Look, based on uh, our engagement data results from our employees focus groups and us analyzing and seeing all the conversation about future to work and all the changes and everything that was going on. We realized as soon that, uh, you know, our managers, they needed help, you know, and they told us, I want to do that, but I need help you know, uh, because uh, I needed to be a better manager. I need to be, but I also needed to do my day to day and, the, and the deliver on, on my results. And as I mentioned, uh, everything started uh, uh, with us researching what was Project Oxygen for Google, that they had a similar mission at that point in time that was to increase manager favorability, you know, based on their surveys and everything. And we have a very similar surveys. So that's where it it was born and why it was born. And uh, uh, the main indicator that we have as well, it's this manager favorability, you know, and uh, especially we have a category that's part of our engagement survey, that's leadership that we wanted to evolve as well. And we have our assessments, our three, six assessments that we wanted to see the evolution as well. So we want you know, all our managers to move a little bit in the curve to be better managers. Love Not it. a little bit, move a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I imagine a lot of planning went into this initiative. And um, we actually just had a conversation yesterday with Beth Steinberg at Chime where we talked about how HR leaders need to have solid business plans for for new initiatives. So I guess like, w- would you humor us in, in walking us through how you built the business case for these targeted trainings and learning experiences for managers? Like, were there any specific business drivers that you were trying to tie it to? It sounds like you had the metric around number of people influenced, but curious to hear how else uh, you thought about that.
2: Uh, from uh, let me go back a little bit where everything started. Okay, in 2019, we uh, started to discuss what would be the new enterprise strategy. Okay, and as part of that, we started to discuss that we had 500 employees participating in this process. What should be the company purpose? If we should review our values, what we wanted to evolve in our culture. Uh, what should be our leadership principles? Being a global organization, what was happening? You know, we would have a leadership model in Japan, a leadership model in Canada, and they were somehow aligned, yes, but we said, look, we have to have a strong voice on that. You know, that's where it started. So the same moment that we released our enterprise strategy, we released our new vision, our new purpose, our new values, and our new leadership principles. And our leadership principles, they are, you know, we call them WIN, and they are based on uh, the letters, the acronym, it's exactly what I told you before. And we were very inspired, uh, again, by Microsoft. On their journey on leadership development. Okay. And we wanted to have, we had multiple conversations with them and we were inspired by them by the way that they did this evolution. Uh, the metrics, you know, to see, look, are we evolving or we are not? As I mentioned, I think we have. Three very important metrics. One is the leadership category in the engagement survey. Okay, but not only that. Uh, I would say collaboration, empowerment, and the communication are very linked to leadership as well. So uh, we, it's an indicator that we look uh, in our engagement survey. Okay, retention is another one. You know, uh, everybody says it and I agree that the employees not necessarily they leave companies they leave their managers you know so retention is an important uh, another very important indicator for us you know in these special groups and the the evolution on the leadership principles assessment now that gives us the manager favorability so those are the three main indicators that we use to see if we are evolving or not or not and uh, how we are evolving
0: so remind me, how many employees are at Kraft Heinz?
2: Thirty-six thousand.
0: Oh my gosh, thirty-six thousand. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Like I I can I I World feel like wild. it's it's, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> I, I imagine it's, it's really wild. hard to, you know, really affect change and, and drive change throughout an organization that large, you know, when you're rolling out a new vision, new values, new leadership principles. Sounds like you're on the right track with with Project When. Um, aside from Project When, are there any other tools or partners that you're working with that that you're really excited about that are going to help you, you know, roll out or I, I guess uh, change behaviors and and get people to you know start living out the values that you have.
2: We are very excited about uh, the partnership that we have for Project Wayne. You know, we were talking about leveraging technology and partnering with startups you know, to make our ambitions a reality. Uh, we have partnered with Homo you know, to be one of the first Fortune 150 companies to pilot a, a really exciting <laughs> technology solution with them. You know, and uh, this technology provides personalized coaching moments on the go, that meet our managers where they are, and it's very linked to the principles that we put in place in Project Win, you know? And what school, I was talking about democratizing learning. That's it. We're talking about simple nudges on the go that are linked to what is important for you or what you have to evolve or what strength you were trying to reinforce or what gap you have to close. Uh, let me share a personal example. I was on a meeting with my team, my direct reports on Microsoft Teams, okay? And then suddenly a nudge popped up on my screen in the middle of the meeting. And uh, I read it because it's short, so you can read it very fast when, <laughs> while you are in the middle of a meeting. Listen, I will apply that right now, <laughs> you know? And I applied the nudge during the meeting. That's agility, you know, that is uh, reaching you at the moment that you need, where you need, with what you need. And I applied right away and the feedback was amazing. The team said, why are you asking that? <laughs> and I said, I just received a nudge from Humu. And they were very excited with that.
0: So disclaimer for everybody listening, I work at Humu and I also receive nudges. And I've noticed that, It gets into my subconscious. Like, I'll see a nudge. I might not even click anything on the nudge, but then days later, I'll be in a meeting and I'll find myself approaching the meeting slightly differently or approaching the interaction I'm having slightly differently. And I'm like, why am I doing this? And I'm like, oh, wait, I think I read this nudge the other day where it recommended that I try this instead of that. So, yeah, I I feel like it really gets into your subconscious, but I feel like on the surface, when you talk about nudges, it can just sound like notifications. So I'm curious, what was the initial uh, reception from the rest of of the leadership team whenever you brought this up as an idea?
2: In the beginning, we were a little skeptical, you know, Uh, But they embrace it. We were so passionate about that. And I think we have planted the seed on democratizing learning in the past. You know, we created a movement in the company that's called Learn Like an Owner. You know, Uh, in the beginning, we had one employee in the movement, that was our chief learning officer. She started the moving and she was the lone wolf. And then a month later, she had that follower, you know? Uh, six months later, we had the 300. Now we have uh, close to 2000 people that uh, made a commitment as part of the learn like an owner movement, you know. So I think we plant the seeds in the past, and I use this word. I use on the go, democratize, you know, simple finders because you go to a, a big learning program. The forgetting curve is something that is there. It's proven. If you don't use this muscle, you will forget it. Uh, so the nudge is that you start to forget it. Then a nudge comes and you said, "Oh my God, it's what you said. It's in your." cushions then you go and you apply that and if it works you just get encouraged to do more we are in week five of the partnership with homo and the, the early indicators are amazing you know 86 uh, adoption that is awesome you have 1500 people participating on this that we are calling a pilot the big Pilot with fifteen hundred people, uh, and we had eighty six percent adoption. Amazing, That's really wow. an amazing indicator.
0: Amazing. I, sorry, were you going to go, Steven? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I, I was just going to say I, I feel like it takes a very uh, like specific personality to be an early adopter with new tech tools. Like you definitely have to be a risk taker. know you're the global chief people officer and like you know you're putting your name on this thing um where does that come from have you always been a risk taker
2: look i think you need to be afforded looking you know otherwise you will just uh, live in in the past and the glory in the past and uh, uh, i think early adopters they have uh, a lot of advantages to be an early adopter you just need to be responsible. Uh, will you do that to 36,000 people in all countries you operate? No, you go, you test, it works, you roll out, it doesn't work, you know, you stop it. It's the c- concept of fail fast and cheap that uh, you know everybody wants to advertise. But yes, you know, it's take courage because sometimes it's not even glamorous you're having a pilot that uh, only few people know about it and you just need to be persistent i am very persistent you know i am if i believe on something i believe on something and i will go and of course if it doesn't work doesn't work if people prove me wrong uh, you know i give up but i like to try you know i'm a learner by essence i like to try new things i feel energized it buy those new things and uh, we Me always too. learn even if it fails you know you learn a lot on this experience
1: yeah and and i i love the you mentioned earlier learn like an owner i i can't i can't recall if this was like a mantra within the hr team or just you know at the company in no, it's, general, a program, but,
2: it's a program that we have
1: well I, and this is great because you're teaching the entrepreneurial spirit within your your employees and that it's a completely different perspective To, to learn like an owner operate like you are, you know, you are, you you truly are part owner of the business. And, and I think it's a very powerful thing. And I think it, it goes, you know, it, it, your successes, a lot of your successes have to come back to some of these programs that you have in place, because it is, it takes Courage to invest in these new types of programs or these different types of programs. You, you know, if you follow the trends, um, you many times you don't get the the results that you're looking for, the truly transformative, the truly innovative results. Um, but when everyone is bringing the entrepreneurial spirit, and part of that is being comfortable failing, and uh, this whole notion of failing fast, I, I, it's just a powerful thing when you can get that, you know, you can, that can become part of your culture at scale.
2: Yes. And that's what we are amplifying the organization.
1: And, and so my, my, before we we're getting close on time, which it is always a shame, you know, I, we only have an hour to have these conversations, but my, my last question for you is I've heard a mix throughout this converse throughout the, this discussion of targeted programs, programs built for scale you're trying new technologies there're a lot of of initiatives it feels like that you guys have been going on many of these have been going on for years right you know there there you're deploying them now but you've been working on these for years and I know small companies, very small companies that one of these initiatives would be way too much for them to complete in a quarter. And it it seems like there are multiple programs that you guys are rolling out. And one of the, I guess, challenges I feel like we have as people leaders is scaling HR, scaling our people programs. And you mentioned probably one technique or approach you take, which is the fail fast I'm just curious, like what is it about the the Kraft Heinz uh, HR or people functions culture that is, you know, that is driving this ability to scale so many programs throughout such a large organization? When one of these would be a huge win for for smaller companies.
2: I think first is curiosity, you know, uh, our teams, they want to be the best version of themselves, you know, and they want to leave their footprint to the company. They are ambitious people. They they are passionate people. And uh, we we talk a lot about that. And, uh, we say, look, life is too short just for you to come, you know, work, do what's expected from you and going back home. You know, life is too short for you not to leave something behind. And there is a question that I ask to everyone in the team What's your legacy? What's your legacy? What's your legacy? You know, so I think it's just this passion uh, to, to live a legacy to the new generations uh, that come. It's not all roses, of course. Sometimes the team said, Look, it's too much. We have to prioritize. We have to drop something because it's just too much, and that's the moment that we have to, you know, as a, a HR leadership team, stop, talk to the teams, reprioritize and go. Uh, but uh, I, I think that uh, that's the spirit. that the spirit that we are trying to build here.
0: I feel I like that. that's a spirit that I I should live my life. I, I was <laughs> I about was about what's say. my legacy? I. I have this daily reminder that I read every day, and it's time is short and it doesn't return again. It is slipping away while I write this and while you read it, and the monosyllable of the clock is loss, 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 unless you devote your heart to its opposition. That's all I could think about whenever you were saying that, Melissa.
2: Please share that with me.
0: Okay, I will. All right, so we have nine minutes left, and we're going to segue into the rapid fire questions. So these are a set of questions that we ask every one of our guests. Um, So we'll try to knock them out as fast as we can. If you could go back in time and talk to a 22-year-old Melissa, what career advice would you give yourself and why?
2: Think a little bit of what we were talking before. You know, What brought you here won't take you to the future. Mm -hmm. Learn from the past, but be always looking ahead. Historical success is not a synonym of future success.
0: If you could fix any HR or people problem with a magic wand, what would it be and why?
2: Business acumen. HR still makes a lot of decisions in isolation. I still see very few HR professionals that are able to articulate and explain the company strategy.
0: Love it. When when you look forward to 2023, even you know, past that, what do you what do you see coming next for the future of work?
2: I'll go back to learning. The world is changing really fast. And the ability to unlearn and learn something new every day needs to be there. You know, you need to be humble. <laughs> you needed to be humble at the point to say, let me throw in the trash can everything that I know, and let me start from ground zero again. The view on talent has changed, you know, experience, knowledge, and skills continue to be important, but curiosity and learning agility became more important. You know?
0: Preach, I agree with that a hundred percent.
1: Plus one, plus yeah. one, the yeah. older I get, the more I realize, the less I know. Yeah, it's a I, very cliche thing to, to the more, you know, like the less, say. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's the danger,
2: the danger on that, you know, if you think that you know too much and we start making decisions based on your past knowledge and, uh, you know, stop uh, learning, you, know, you, you will live in the past.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I feel like in today's world, it is it's hard to stay in a, a space of humility. Um, it really is with, and especially with, you know, how access to information and all the things that, you know, that, that technology advancement, but, uh, for me, you know, I, I often find myself needing to come back to humility and, and being humble that, you know, there is a lot that I still have to learn. So, well, I, I feel like we could continue this conversation, but, um, it's time to bring it to an official close. Um, we have a couple Questions before we wrap it up, the the way that we have brought so many amazing guests to the Modern People Leader, and we have had almost seventy great conversations, is has been primarily through the guests that we've had. And so, if there was one person that you feel we should bring onto the show that we must have on this show, who would you recommend that person is?
2: Oh my God, so many people! But uh, as I mentioned, you know that was a source of inspiration for me and for us. Kathleen Hogan, the Chief People Officer of Microsoft,
1: that would the be journey, amazing.
2: The journey that they went through—it's an—it's amazing. It's an amazing story.
1: And to to know that uh, a company like Kraft Heinz was inspired so much by the journey they've been on—that I, I would love to hear that story. Mm-hmm. So. The, the last tradition we have on the Modern People Leader is what we call one word or phrase, one phrase close. And we, we all respond with uh, something from the episode that we want to, to close and, and end the show with. So who wants to, uh, who wants to kick us off?
0: I can I go. I was
2: first last time, now I'm last. <laughs> yeah,
0: I can go. I, I had a big smile on my face because Stephen says that I always like to jump in first to steal the best thing to say. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I always try to jot down notes during the, the conversation and what I have highlighted today is learn how to unlearn.
1: Ooh, that is good. And you, I, I'm going to stick with mine cause you, it's, it's similar, but different. And mine is learn like an owner. I love that.
2: Mine is curiosity.
1: Right. I love it. I love it. Well, Melissa, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for carving out time out of your very busy schedule to meet with us. Uh, it w- it really was a pleasure to have you.
2: Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. We could go on and on and on yeah, and on. We and could.
1: On. <laughs> we, could <laughs> we could. And maybe we can have you back for we do every now and then we do group discussions. And maybe we we could have you back to, uh, to have another chat with us. Happy to. Excellent.
0: Talk to you later. Bye guys. Thanks for for tuning in to another episode of the modern people leader. We, we really, really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating. It would mean the world to us and connect with us on LinkedIn. We want to, we want to know what you think about the show. And uh, yeah, you can, you can find links to both of our profiles in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and, and see you on the next episode.